He's got dancing feet with that lower body. It's unbelievable. Look at the body. Look at that bubble butt. The Las Vegas Journal Review. You know, you have some ideas, some philosophy in college, but I think Coach Kiffin really helped bring it together. And he's been such a big, important part of my life and our family's life, a big impact on it. So uh, he helped tremendously, uh, you know, with my philosophy and our philosophy, I should say. Started off with Tyler Bischoff from ESPN Radio. I think um, the NFL is really a race to maturity. You know, the owners, the, the coaches, the head coach, the fans, they want these first and second year players to act like six, seven, eight year veterans. Yeah. So it's that race to maturity. How can we get these guys to mature and play like they're capable of playing and yet have that experience, that wisdom that goes along with it? Pull up your pants, take off the prawn, be a man! Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Hey, Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. yeah. Before you get to the Raiders, do you see what I see? No, what do you see? Ah, breaking news from the Vegas Golden Knights. A lot of transactions. The key one, though. Robin Leonard will begin practicing with the Henderson Silver Knights on a conditioning loan. Oh, an update. Yes, and Logan Thompson has been recalled to the Golden Knights, and Oscar Danks and Tyrell Goldborn have been assigned to Henderson. It appears that soft gold Danks let in the other night has now put him back in Henderson, and they brought Logan Thompson up. Also, Patrick Brown will join the taxi squad. But the important one there is Robin Leonard back on the ice with the Henderson Silver Knights. Leonard practice. Okay, yeah. an update on Robin yeah. Leonard. Um, Woo! Man, how many times do they send an actual NHL-level <laughs> player like, I mean, it does happen, but, like, hasn't he? I mean, I, I, I mean I, I Henderson Knights, a... the Henderson Knights have now had seven goalies. So, uh, <laughs> every every day they're, like, they're switching goalies down with the Henderson Silver Knights. But uh, <laughs> why did Logan Thompson comes up and Oscar Danks goes down, and we've been talking about Flurry getting some time off. Like, I, I made, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm being funny about that soft goal, but, like, why why that? I, I don't get why that is. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I might, I might know okay. this. Okay. Logan Thompson is really good at stopping the puck. <laughs> okay, that might be it. Robin Leonard's back. I have I have had the pleasure of doing a ton of Silver Knights games, and there was genuinely one where he stopped like forty five shots, and they lost by three. <laughs> like the the shots on goal difference was thirty. He stopped everything for three minutes, or for not three minutes, for three periods, and then for like the last two minutes, it was just like I'm done, guys. Oof. Robin right. Leonard. Okay, he's I back. wonder. Pete DeBoer is supposed to talk this morning. I wonder what that. He's actually. Gives yeah, he's, a, he's talking right now. Yeah, he's talking right as now a, as a timeline because being back on the ice with some hockey team, even if it's not the hockey team you're supposed to be playing with is, is, is a good sign, but it's probably not the best sign that Robin Leonard will be back soon. Like I can't imagine Robin Leonard's back Friday or Saturday for the back to back. No, I don't know. I think this means he's staying in Vegas and don't put him on the road and maybe next week. So he's down there practicing with these guys. Cause obviously the Knights are on the road till like Sunday. They got back. They play again Monday at home. Is the fact that he's down there for con- or not down there? He's in Henderson for conditioning. Raise any flags with you guys? Well, well that's that says on a conditioning they, loan. That's yeah. the phrase they have to use to allow yeah. him to play or to practice with the minor league team. You you are allowed, so you can 
you don't have to put a guy through waivers, but he can go down and practice with the AHL team as long as you phrase it as this is a conditioning move. Basically, a this guy's been out for a while and needs to get in shape. So maybe he does need to get in shape. And yes, that would be a concern, but it's also just could just be semantics of the way they have to word this in order to get him practice time with the AHL. So the way the NHL works and the way you can take advantage of their rules, eh, I don't think it's too much to be worried about, but it could be. It might be that Robin Leonard, I don't, has, he, has he been skating by himself recently? I, I thought, we, I thought DeBoer said that, that like a week ago. I thought okay. he said a week to 10 yeah. days ago he was skating by himself. That's yeah. what I thought. So I if he's been skating, if he's been at least skating by himself for over a week, then yeah. you hope it's not because he has to get in shape and you hope that's more of a semantics thing by the Golden Knights. Um, okay. Would, I do I do need to yell about uh, some Trent Brown okay. reporting yesterday uh, because multiple reports yesterday. Uh, we had some here in Vegas. Uh, I know Vic Tafer, the Athletic, reported it. We had some in New England as well. And I'm going to read this tweet from Jeff Howe, who covers the Patriots, as the one example of this. Jeff Howe tweeted, The Raiders were not going to release Trent Brown prior to free agency. They intended to bring him to training camp to earn his spot. But the Patriots offer, coupled with Brown's willingness to rework his deal, made the trade happen today. Now there's a few things about this that don't make any sense to me at all. The first one is that the Raiders were going to bring Trent Brown back to, quote, earn his spot. Trent Brown's salary this year is $14 million. I cannot imagine anyone is paying a guy $14 million to earn a spot because that means you've got to pay somebody else to potentially be the starter if Trent Brown doesn't work out. So that, to me, right off the bat, makes zero sense. If you were the Raiders and you were bringing Trent Brown back, it's because he's your starting right tackle, not because he's got to earn it. But the part of this that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever is that the Patriots offer made the trade happen today, which to me implies that the Patriots called up the Raiders and said, hey, we'd like Trent Brown We'll give you a fifth round pick if you send us back a seventh. And Mike Mayock and John Gruden said, oh my God, that is too good to pass up. We've got to take that. And they traded for it on the spot. That cannot be true. There is no way in the world the Raiders were blown away by a fifth for a seventh swap and thought, we've got to trade our starting right tackle. I don't I don't understand it either. And, and let me ask you this, uh, to bring him back at 14... Wouldn't you have first gone in, like, he took 11 to go to the Patriots, right? So he he went down there, and it's a one-year deal. So guess what? Trent Brown's betting on himself, so he'll have a huge deal next year. But wouldn't you, if the Raiders have gone to him and tried to restructure, like they're going to do with Jackson and Incognito? Right. Exactly. I, I don't get that. Like, now, why, obviously, why don't you do that? And Maybe he'd uh, say no, but maybe he wouldn't. Yeah, obviously, Trent Brown was happy to leave here, so he probably would have said no. He probably would have said, just cut me then. So, right. like, I, so he probably wouldn't have, but you're right. Like, why? 
None of that reporting makes sense to me. None of that is logical whatsoever. Because, listen, I'm telling you, if the Raiders planned on giving Trent Brown a chance to be their starting right tackle and then traded him away because somebody offered a fifth-round pick, and they still had to send a seventh back, but offered a fifth-round pick, they traded a guy they thought was going to start at right tackle and they got a fifth-round pick back, a pick you can't even use to get your next starting right tackle, that that makes no sense whatsoever. Like, if that's what happened, they should probably fire Mike Mayock and John Gruden on yeah. the spot. I don't, because I don't agree with that. Because yeah. that's the dumbest logic you yeah. could ever have. So I, I don't believe it. I do not believe that reporting, because there is no way in hell that the Patriots called up, offered the fifth-round pick, and the Raiders said, well, that's too good to pass up. It's right. not like they got a... If they, listen... If the Patriots gave him like a second round pick, then you'd say, well, yeah, we thought we were going to keep him, but we'll just draft his replacement with this second round pick. Thanks, New England. That's not what they got. They got a fifth round pick. Yeah. That's a, and they still have to send a seventh back for it. So there's no, there is no way that's what happened. I refuse to believe that Mike Mayock and John Gruden took what they thought was going to be their starting right tackle and were blown away by a fifth round pick trade that they had to do it. Well, I sort of refuse to believe they say, Trent, we're still going to pay you $14 million. We're going to have a tryout on Wednesday <laughs> with these other two jamokes. And if you beat them out, you can say, like, that, what, like, what if someone actually came in and beat them out? I think you're going to go on the hook for that much money and because he has to go to, 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 to the facility in, in training camp and win his spot? And at that point, I don't even know what you could get for him at that point. You know, if, if you go that deep into the training camp to see if you can earn his spot, like, that made no sense. The thing that made sense, that would have made sense, if he would I mean, again, maybe, and Jason Fitz is right. That's the one thing. And we did it on this show yesterday. We just assumed, how can't you be happy in Vegas making this much money? Now, most people, I think, would be. But Jason made a good point. Like, maybe he just isn't. Maybe he prefers to live back. He's whatever. I don't know the guy well enough to even know that. But if he restructured to go back there, I, I, if you believe him at all, wouldn't you approach the agent? And maybe they didn't said, hey, we just can't take this cap it now. We'd love to have him, but he's got to restructure this thing. It doesn't seem like they did that. Yeah, it does. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. It does. Like they, we've already had the reports that it's had that they are going to try that with Richie Incognito. That they're going to try that with Gabe Jackson. Like we didn't get any of those reports about Trent right. Brown. It was just oh, they're trying to trade him. So yeah, I and, and that's the other part. They if they were trying to trade him because that was the report what two weeks ago that they were trying to trade him. Yes. And if we, again, take this reporting as truth that they were kind of blown away by this fifth for seventh offer, what were the other offers for Rob, or for uh, Trent Brown? Trent Brown. Like, what were the other offers for him if this was the one that blew them away and made them make the trade? Like, were people offering like, ah, oh, we'll swap sevenths. We'll let you move up five spots in the seventh round. Well, maybe, and again, I don't know if this is the case. Could this be the case? Maybe New England was the only one he was willing to redo the contract on. I mean, he won a Super Bowl there. He knows he's loved there. I mean, maybe he just had a, you know, he, he had such a great time there. He'd, he'd rework it for them. But if I'm, I don't know, Houston, and I want to trade for him, but I don't like that contract, maybe he'd say, no, I'm not reworking it for you. I don't know. There's so many questions around this. The main one, like you said, though, is the reporting of they wanted him to try out to win the spot at that number. That just makes no sense whatsoever. Like none on any level that they would that that was what their thinking was when it came to bringing him back. Yeah, so you're the highest paid player on our offensive line, but um, 
You're going to have to beat out Jonathan Chamwa Chat to keep your spot. It's like UNLV with the 42-year-old on walk-on tryouts. It's like, you know, uh, you got to show up on Wednesday, bring your shoulder pads. Oh, the the 42-year-old walk-on. He's the one that's going to beat out Trent Brown. Yes. Okay, so now we know the other person that Ed needs to tell the beat reporter, oh, and I got the 42-year-old to walk-on. I've got Rojas, and I've got the walk-on. I've got both of those guys for columns, and you better not step on my toes about those guys. Uh, Breaking news! Breaking news! Alex Petrangelo has returned to Las Vegas for evaluation. Mark Stone is a game-time decision. Well, that's not good about Petrangelo. No! Oh, he took that. He took that puck in his hand, and when you return for further evaluation, that's probably not good news. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, Sam and Ash join the show. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Love that music. Here they are at SamAndAshLaw uh, on Twitter, SamAndAshLaw.com. Best personal injury attorneys in town. Get to them now. And uh, love the music coming in. How are you guys? Yeah, the music's a little spooky, you know. Wow, Ashley like and I Halloween. are. We're, we're, I know. We're, <laughs> we're a lot friendlier than that music. Man. Speak for God. yourself, Sam. Speak for yourself. <laughs> it's a song yeah. called Call My Lawyer. <laughs> oh. Well, I, uh. subliminal message, I guess. Do it. Call us. Well, we've got the two best here. Okay, now, uh, Tyler and Jared will laugh at this. Uh, I couldn't wait to see it. I watched every minute on the on the edge of the bed, the Harry and Megan interview. Oh, I loved every bit of it. And then I and, and of course I had questions afterwards. My wife and I we uh, we broke this down like a ball, like Tyler Bischoff's brief, for like two hours. Every answer. Okay, so. Oh, the, obviously, Harry and Meghan had a lot of things say about the institution and the crown and all that. And they put some, you know, some heavy charges out there about race and, and a lot of stuff. The first question I have, and I, I don't think they would do this. Could the crown and the royal family sue Harry and Meghan for defamation? <laughs> in, in which jurisdiction, right? In which court? <laughs> uh, I mean, the royal uh, Los so, Angeles. So, so, yeah. So could they, I mean... Um, I mean, of course, they could file suit. How how likely is it to succeed? Now, now, in there's a there's very strict libel laws in Great Britain. That's why I asked the question, because in the U.S. that that case isn't going anywhere, and it kind of falls into that same category as the recent news about Trump, you know, trying to sue, you know, threatening the RNC because they're using his his likeness, his image. You know, this is these are public figures, and there's a heightened public interest, and they've. They're all, you know, they're political figures or quasi-political figures. So in the U.S., you'd have very, very strict First Amendment protections. Um, but libel suits, the standard is a little lower, or there's a there's a wider berth for them in uh, British court. So it's possible. Um, but you know, again, uh, it, it, one thing that would have to go, would suppose that the case could go forward. Remember, uh, in order. Uh, you know, truth is a defense, right? So, would the royals want to get into an intricate lawsuit right. over what is and is not true? When at this point they can just let the damage kind of be what it is, right. walk away from it, and 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 let it go. I, I mean, it's bad strategy to do anything now. I think, especially file a suit. Okay, 
Yeah, uh, I I agree. I mean, the family has come out with their statement, and they basically right. say that this is a family matter, and so they're going to resolve it internally and deal with the family as is. And, and I think that's taking the higher road on this. And so you also have to think, juries have to like you. And if the if the if this were hypothetically to go forward as a defamation suit, no juror wants to sit there and hear the Queen of England suing <laughs> Harry and Meghan over death. Like, that's just not a good look. Like, well, there's no uh, sympathy. Yeah, there's yeah. no, I mean, maybe, Ed, maybe, I know you're a great juror, but maybe uh, this is your case. <laughs> nah, nah, I'll tell you what, Piers would love it. The guy who walked off the TV set. Uh, he would he'd walk the, out uh, of the jury box. He'd be like, he'd that's be the it. character witness. Um, I, another thing that had never happened, but I love these questions because I just love the interview. He said he got <laughs> cut off financially. He took what his mom gave him. We learned the next day that was $10 million. Although they're now saying this guy's security alone with his family and his wife and his, his you know, soon-to-be second child is $4 million a year. That's really good security in my mind. It's better than the yellow jackets at these games. But is there anything he can do? Because can, can he totally be cut off by the establishment as a royal, as a prince? Is there anything he could do about his inheritance or what was supposed to be his inheritance? Or is this like, hey, you get what your mom gave, gave you, we're cutting you off just like parents can cut off their kids. <laughs> Where do you come up with these questions? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I love don't the know. I don't, Sammy. No, this no, look. what I've been dealing with for three days now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ed, we got to get you out of quarantine. You got you, you got to get out a little and socialize. But wait, Ed, I got to know anyway. what what team are you on? Are you on the team of quote the firm, or are you on Megan and Harry's side? Oprah, I got to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Turn it around. Might be on Oprah's side. Might be on yeah. Oprah's side. Thank oh, you, Ed. Minute, Me too. <laughs> okay, so to answer your question, it depends again on the terms of the trust, right? We, you know, okay. a lot of a lot of Americans do do trust planning. We we know what this is like, and there's. There, you set the rules for you know what the you know what conditions are meant for the inheritance. So I have no idea, and I don't think the public. I don't think it's it's public knowledge what what the terms of that of that um, of that inheritance uh, are. Oh, man, I love this stuff. Oh my god! I, I, but yeah, I, I, I want to hear. Not... Like, are you? What did you think of the interview, Ed? What did you think? I was, I was fascinated. Uh, I was fascinated. I, I felt bad. You know, he said his dad didn't return his calls, and I think. <laughs> I, I, I do. I mean, he, he said my dad and brother can't leave. Like, you're trapped. When she said, hey, when you walk in there, give us your passport, give us your driver's license, give us everything. You're now part of, you know, you're now part of us. Any question gives you, you no comment them. I mean, it's it's pretty, I think it's pretty weird to live in that existence. Well, but you also get to live in castles, Ed. Well, that's like, there's a give and take. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Some people are willing to make that trade. <laughs> Wait, wait, Ed, as, as the person who has no idea what any context with this whatsoever, how did these two get out if you're not allowed to leave? I, yeah. Uh, I, they brokered a deal with the queen. <laughs> they did. Sam, they, Sam's been puzzled. I, I, they, called, they called Liam Neeson to come in, you know? <laughs> they said, uh, yeah, I, I, someone got hooked up to a car battery. I don't know what to tell you. I, this, is, this is all... Do do you know what I, I you want? I'm going to give you my unsolicited thoughts on this interview. Either okay, either this she's what most of what she said is true, in which case she's still suffering from from some PTSD and and trauma and mental health issues. And I look to Oprah as a bad actor and as somebody who exploited exploited a somebody with with mental health problems for mm-hmm. for profit, right? Um, but I also um, I also think you know if if a lot of it if some of it was exaggerated this is very dangerous you know and this is yeah. and it's really unfair and I think you know I, I again I 
I don't know. I don't know Meghan Markle, but if it were me, right? I sure. I know I know enough about the royal family just from kind of reading the news, uh, right. and and that whole situation with Diana to go look. I don't. This is not the family I want to be marrying into, and I prefer freedom over living in a castle. I, Ashley might want to yeah. live in a castle <laughs> at all costs because well, you know she's she, rosary, so you know. Yeah, well, that and, you know, she sees the queen and the corgis running around, and she probably figures, you know, Rocky could kind of fit into the pack. Uh, no? I just no, can't, yeah, the, yeah. The whole well, the story modern of her. Kid would li- <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say, the whole story of her having no idea about the family is, is completely right. bogus. I mean, if she has one friend in her life, her friend goes, do you know what you're doing? And they're right. going to just be enamored by the whole concept of, like, you're going to be a princess. This is what you're going to do, and they're going to tell you everything about it that they know. So I, I, I was kind of a skeptic, but if there is PTSD, it's a very serious something that needs to be taken and handled and, tr- and treated properly. And, and maybe this interview wasn't in everyone's best taste and interest. All right, away from the royal family for a minute here. Um, <laughs> something we've talked about before with you guys is the Vanessa Bryant and the Kobe Bryant helicopter crash. Uh, a judge ruled in favor of Vanessa Bryant that she is allowed to obtain the names of the officers that shared photos of the crash scene. And I'm just curious, like, what exactly does that mean? What, what does she do with the names of the officers that shared the photos? Well, they will get added to the lawsuit. So right now the lawsuit doesn't name them. It names the the, the sheriff's department. And then there's also the separate lawsuit with, involving the helicopter. And so the point of naming the, the sheriff's deputies is now you've got this other in, information. And um, you get to depose them. You get to look at specific employee files. This is critical. You always want to know who the actual bad actor was. And and we see this a lot in our cases. If you're going up against a, a hospital, for instance, I have a, a medical malpractice case I'm working on with a big hospital. And what they want to do is they want to shelter all of the various doctors and, and people that have read reports and been involved. They want to just take on the case themselves. Like us hospital, we're going to defend everyone. And and you kind of work hard, you little underdog, to figure out who's the bad person in this. <laughs> um, and so that's the important thing here. And Vanessa's, I, I think she's absolutely in the right. You know, these people made a decision. They understood the con. They had to know, like, every action you take in life has consequences. And this is part of it. They made a terribly poor decision. And so now they have to face the ridicule of having their name associated with it. And I I know the sheriff's department, their lawyers, the county lawyers were trying to say that they don't want, you know, if these photos are still out there, they don't want people to try and hack into their files to get the photos. And the judge said, yeah, I don't buy it because you've already said that these photos have been destroyed permanently and don't exist anymore. So it's going to eventually come in. I know this issue is being appealed, but um, I think these names are going to get added to the lawsuit. How often, whether it's this case or like the one you're talking about with the hospital, how often do you not get the names of the officers or the doctors? It's it's rare. You will. It's very rare. You will. You usually know. And then as you start doing discovery, you get more documents and then you'll they can't hide that. You'll see a name and you're going, okay. And then you start digging into that person's file and, and it starts to slowly unravel. 702-820-1234. Seven zero two eight two zero one two three four. Sam is a big royal fan like me. Uh, Ash went to Rosary. That's why she thinks she should live in a castle. Follow them I on Twitter. I am a royal. Sam and Ashlaw. Uh, they're off the Raider Nation radio. I get, if Clay Baker 
doesn't ask one question about the Royals, you give him a hard time for me. That kid should be just like me watching all of these interviews with the Royals. I, I'd be very interested in talking to you guys later what he asked you. So. You are my two favorite princesses. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> and Sam's the frog. I could, I'm the I, frog. I could, Kiss me. I could, I could follow up with where I, where, where I grew up, but I would probably get in trouble. So I'm not going to tell you that. At Sam and Ashlaw on Twitter, uh, samandashlaw.com, 702-820-1234. Best there is. Thanks, you guys. Love Thank you guys. You. Take care. See you guys. Bye. Take care. Oh, man. It's that, listen. The Royals. Ed, wait, Clay is, Clay is all, in, all in on this too? No, if he isn't, I'll be disappointed in him. I have no idea if he watched it. I haven't watched it. Oh, okay. Him, so. I, just, yeah, I, mean, I was just going to say, I, I think – I saved the listeners from three hours on Monday of you and Clay breaking down that interview. You saved the listeners. <laughs> what do you mean? Of course I did. Have you heard oh. Ed? Okay, fine. You know what? You know what? Fine. Yes. Just the addition well, of you. No. Um, okay. I, I have a I have a I have a confession to quickly make. Last night when I, Tyler had the Vanessa Bryan on another one, I said, okay, I'll add a third story. I was going to add the Property Brothers being sued here in Vegas, but I will make a uh, confession that my wife said, no, no, no. Ask them about Harry and can he sue for his money. So that's why I put that stuff in there. <laughs> so okay. it's really self. It's selfish of my family. We had all right, but here's the big thing: we had two lawyers on, and we did, and we're talking about. The UK, and we didn't ask them their takes on should we bring back the barrister wig. <laughs> That's right. Oh man, because I oh. think I think we should bring that back. Like I think that, that should they have be, to wear it. Yeah, yeah, like that's something we got rid of as as uh, as Americans. That I'm like, there is no reason to get rid of that. Everyone should have to wear a wig, preferably powdered, <laughs> when they go into court with a robe. They were yeah. in robes too. Yeah. Right? With a robe. Yeah. Everyone's in robes. Everyone's wearing wigs. Let's make this as uh. ridiculous as possible because we're, we may end up giving someone the death penalty. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's <laughs> Briefs, where I'm going to tell you that Mountain West coaches, they don't care about defense. It's the last thing they care about. Bischoff's Briefs. I never realized baseball had so much butt touching. Bischoff's Briefs. That's how they communicate. Bischoff's Briefs. It's like Braille, but with butts. Bischoff's Briefs. Read my butt! Oh, we got Mountain West Media and Coaches Awards. Both are out for some reason the Mountain West can't combine them so we get two different Mountain West first teams and two different Mountain West players of the year and two different Mountain West coaches of the year I will say this Brian Dutcher got robbed by the Mountain West media because the media named Miko Medved of Colorado State the coach of the year come on it it has to be Brian Dutcher they're they're the only team that's guaranteed to be in the NCAA tournament you give that guy coach of the year he loses Malachi Flynn and they're still top 20 in Ken Palm this year. Like, they're good. Brian Dutcher deserves Coach of the Year. But what I'm really upset about today, and this is the second time in three years that this has happened, I am convinced, convinced, that coaches in the Mountain West do not care about and do not pay attention to defense. Because the media named Nemesh Keita the Player of the Year in the Mountain West. But the coaches 
named Matt Mitchell from San Diego State Player of the Year and the Mountain West. And to me, that is a massive joke from the coaches because Nemesh Kada is the best player in this conference. And Nemesh Kada, of any player in this conference, anybody, that's the guy that coaches spend the most time game planning for. When UNLV played Utah State, I asked David Jenkins about them getting more layups after one of those games, and he basically said, well, when you play Utah State, you don't want to shoot layups because Nemesh Kade is going to send it into the first row of the stands. Nemesh Kade is so good, team's game plan is to not shoot the most efficient shot in the sport. And for some reason, coaches in this conference refuse to give him player of the year. He's been the most dominant defensive player in the conference for three straight years, and he is going to take home zero player of the year titles. Last year, Malachi Flynn, absolutely, he was unbelievable. But three years ago, when they gave it to one of the Martin twins instead of him, and this year when they've given it to Matt Mitchell, completely ridiculous. Nemesh Kata is the biggest difference maker in this conference, the most important player to any team in this conference, and the coaches refuse to give it to him because he plays defense more than he plays offense. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because they coaches are, can't get past, well, if you're the best team, your best player wins it. I don't know what it is, but Nemesh Kata should have been player of the year two of the last three years, and the coaches just refuse to give it to him because they hate defense. So I don't ever want to hear from coaches again about how defense is important because if they thought it was important, Nemesh Kato would be a two-time player of the year in the conference. Okay, so you hit it on the head with a fact there. I'll back you up because I've, I can't count how many times, and not just one coach, over the years talking to coaches in this league, and to me, they're very, very lazy in this sense. Now, sometimes it works out. I agree with you on Dutcher. That's fine. Some days, I do, some years, I didn't agree on Coach of the Year. They're very lazy in the sense, and I can't tell you how many guys have told me this. Hey, what's everyone's goal? And their, their reasoning is everyone's goal is to win the league, no matter who you are. You're Air Force this year. Well, you want to win the league. You're not going to, but that's your goal. So whoever wins and gets Coach of the Year, who's their best player? It's a lazy way to do it, but I'm telling you that's why they do it. That's the only reason. They say who won the league. Who's their best player and who won the league? The coach, he won the league. He does what we're all supposed to want to do. We'll give it to him. So I totally agree with you, but I'm giving a reason, I think, and I'm pretty sure because I've been told it, of why they do this. And to me, it's it's lazy. I mean, look, if the best player on the best team is the best, you know, is if Nemesh Kata wins the league and he gets like, yeah, it deserves it. It's Nemesh Kata. But you don't just automatically say, well, Matt Pitchell's the best player in San Diego State. He must be the player of the year. They won the league. That that's that's not deep enough for me. You're not doing enough, you know, uh, research or not enough thinking about what a player of the year means. So I'm telling you why they do it, and I totally agree with you that it's lazy and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, it, it's I don't know. It, it's annoying to me because like San Diego State's roster is better than Utah State's roster. Matt Mitchell, he listen. Matt Mitchell, phenomenal season. The guy shot like 38 percent from three this year. Phenomenal player. But, like, you look down the San Diego State roster, if Matt Mitchell doesn't play well, San Diego State's still got a great chance to win. If Nemesh Kata gets into foul trouble because he can't defend anybody, Utah State's defense is kind of broken at that point. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not good anymore. So, 
that's sort of the issue here when you're comparing these two teams is Nemesh Kata is so much more important to yeah. his team than Matt Mitchell. Yeah. And if, listen, I, the, the way I would also ask this, if you were a Mountain West coach and you were drafting right now, you got to do a draft of all the players oh, not, in the conference. It's not even close. It's Kata. Who are you taking with the first pick if you're drafting for your team? In, and I, I guarantee yeah. maybe Brian Dutcher might be a homer, but I guarantee the rest of them are saying Nemesh Kata. Well, I'll go the next. I mean, I, I got to be honest. And I think Matt Mitchell is very good. But like you said, they have Pullman, they have Shackle, they have Mensa, they have a really good team. Second pick, I'm taking Kata. Second pick, I might take Grant Sherfield. Like, oh, I, I don't even know where... I don't even know where I'd get to Mitchell on the spectrum. And that doesn't mean he's not a really good player. I'll say this and correct me if I'm wrong. I think I'm right on this. Um, did Derek Austin make first team coaches? Uh, I'm going to say yes, because I, I, I'd have to pull it up, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say I yes, didn't... simply because okay. I, I feel like there would have been a little bit more outrage that I would have seen if he didn't. Okay. So I'm just, I'd have to double check. I... Did you think he didn't? I don't think he did. I, I, I'm, I'm. Look, I'm, I'm. Okay, here it is. I got it right here. Okay, Derek Austin made. I'm sorry. So Austin, Sherfield, Mitchell, Roddy, and Kata. Um, and I know he's a really good offensive player. I might be totally like wrong on this. I just you talk about defense and Kata not getting it because of defense. Austin can't guard you and I. And and I know he's really good offensively. But I'm looking at this second line. You know, Isaiah Stevens. You know, I, I, I and maybe I'm wrong. He should be on it. I get it, but. I wouldn't have been like falling off the chair, but again, he doesn't defend anyone. So Kata doesn't mean anything defensively for player of the year. They just see Derek Austin as kind of this big time scorer, and they put him on there and he's had a fine season. I get that, but I was, I thought I saw that, but I was absolutely, I was, I was mistaken. The second team was Steven Shackle, Bryce Hamilton, Robinson, and Justin Dean. Uh, I will give you the uh, reason why you would not put Derek Austin on the first team all mountain West and it's from uh, two plays when they played UNLV and beat UNLV. TJ Otzelberger decided that their best course of offense was for Devin Tillis to post up Derek Alston. Now, there's a couple of things to notice on that. Number one, it's that Boise State has their best player, Derek Alston, guarding the other team's worst player on the floor, least likely to score player in Devin Tillis, and that the and that TJ Otzelberger decided, hey, our best chance of scoring is to give it to our worst player because he's being guarded by Derek Alston. That's how poor he was defensively, and that's how coaches viewed him, or at least how Otzelberger viewed him, was that, ah, we can throw it into Devin Tillis and see if he can post up Alston. And it, they scored on it, too. They got a couple of points on it as well. And then he flopped and got a charge, and they didn't go back into the post ever again. But that that's how Derek Alston was in the UNLV matchup, was they, they, they had him guard the worst player because, yeah, he can't guard anybody. So he still probably deserves it because he's good enough offensively to be first-teamer. But, uh, yeah, there is reason defensively to not put Derek Alston on the first team. But... Coaches, all they care about is offense and winning. They're worse than fans. They're more simple-minded than fans. I, I think you sort of hit, hit the nail on the head. Why wouldn't you just do it based on, hey, what player did you have to game plan the most for? Right. Okay, that's it's, your it's vote. Who's, yes, the exactly. second, who's the player you had to game plan the second most for? Oh, okay, that's your second team vote. Like, right. it you should would, be that straightforward. 
that's what I would think. And I can guarantee every single coach in the conference spent more time game planning for Kata than they did for Matt Mitchell. I can guarantee it. Like UNLV literally didn't want to shoot the most efficient shot in the game because Nemish Kata was going to make it no. inefficient and swat I mean, it against the back. He's just going to put it and, 90 feet into the freaking yes. row. Empty I mean, and, and you made the best point. If you're going on the scout and, you know, you put the names on the board, you're playing Utah State, Kata's up there, San Diego State, you put like five guys up there. I mean, right. you know, you have to know what each of them do. With with Utah State, you, you better figure out Kata, and not many people can. But if you can, you got a much better shot of winning. Um, yeah, I think the media got it right. Um, I agree with you on Dutcher. And, you know, again, the first team was fine. I think Sherfield's really good. Uh, I would pro- I might actually pick him second. I'd put Kata first if I was building a team, though. That, I don't, that's more obvious than anything. I will give you the uh, Ken Palm top five players in the Mountain West. Number five, Derek Alston. Number four, Grant Sherfield. Number three, Matt Mitchell. Number two, David Roddy. Roddy. And yeah, number Roddy. one, Nemesh Kata. Make him the player of the year. Come on, Mountain West Coast. Uh, you were just you were doing nothing but motivating Mbake Zhang. Mbake Zhang. After, oh. after they beat Air Force today, he's gonna say, Kata, who? Let's he's go. He's gonna dunk on Nemesh Kata and say that's for the coaches. <laughs> that's All for right. the coaches. <laughs> Coming up next, it's the dessert menu where I don't know what we're talking about yet. The state guy. Let's end the show with something sweet. This is the Dessert Menu, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit. The Detroit Red Wings have a broken horn. This has been the Dessert Menu, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Become a member today at (laughs) SilverStateCU.com. That can mean so many different things. It just I don't, said you, you better, yeah. so good. You better, uh, you better explain that because I don't. That could mean a lot of things. So the Red Wings <laughs> played uh, Tampa Bay, and for some reason, the horn, the horn, the goal horn, the horn you hear after a goal or to end a period. For some reason, this horn is broken and went off. Every single minute of the first period. So every time the clock would strike a new minute, like seven minutes left, six minutes left, the horn would go off in the middle of play. And the teams just eventually just played through it. Um, I do not know if it was fixed. I kind of hope it wasn't fixed. And every time you have to play in Detroit, you just have to deal with 20 horns every single period. Uh, but yeah, their horn malfunctioned and just went off every single minute, exactly on the minute, and they played through it. <laughs> Maybe they thought if we ring this enough, Johnny Merrill's going to score. Johnny Merrill's going <laughs> to score. <laughs> just, keep, just keep pushing that horn. Johnny Merrill's going to get one for the blue line. Do you uh, remember, were you at the UNLV game when the shot clocks broke and they had to have... Um, Dick Calvert uh, countdown yes, from ten. Yes, yes, and uh, this is hold such up. this is such a setup that you're giving me that I can talk about the scoreboard, but I won't do that. But yes, I was there when the shot clock uh, and Dick Calvert was counting down. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you just Calvert. put that on a tee for me? Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. No, no, we, 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 no it's a great scoreboard. I agree. It's a great scoreboard. What are you talking about? I got nothing to say. I will say that my Daktronic stocks have not been going great for me. <laughs> I need those. Uh, I need those GameStop guys to get on Daktronics. Daktronics. Uh, but, I was yeah. when Calvert was saying five, four, three, two, one, and and they gave him an uh. air horn to blow into the 
into the microphone for when the <laughs> clock was supposed to expire. Phenomenal. Uh, Phenomenal. Yeah. And, I, and I must say, if the shot clock, because the, be, the best part of the shot clock not working was that the shot clocks didn't work. UNLV had backup shot clocks. They had, they had backup shot clocks and they brought those out. And those also did not work. And so <laughs> the only other option was, well, I guess you got to count it down and tell them when there's 10 seconds left on the shot clock. Phenomenal. I, I love when things I, like that go slightly wrong where it's like, okay, we can still play the game, but it's going to be kind of weird because, oh, the horn's going to go off every single minute of this game. There's got to be some like Pavlovianness to it too, where you hear that horn and you go, oh, okay, stop skating. Yeah, I mean, you're like, who are you? Would you hugging the closest guy to you because you think he scored? The guy, last guy who like had the puck on his stick, like he shoots it in the zone, like oh, it goes off, and like start hugging him because you think it went in. Well, does you it, think they're, oh. they're pre-programmed to hug yes, when they hear the yes. horn? They are. They, you learn that at a very young age when you're in little ice guys down at the uh, down at City National. When you hear the horn off, hug the nearest guy to you. That's in I your mean, jersey. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm just like little kids are out here hugging strangers. At- <laughs> <laughs> like it, I don't know, all right. Um, no, but doesn't that also go off for like icing? No, no. no. Okay, no, all right. It only all goes right. off for one. It goes off at the end of a period, and it goes off when they score. Okay, and it's a different Sorry. horn, but that's the only times you hear horns. Okay, yeah, that's it. That was the only two times. Um, <laughs> you might. Uh, I wonder if anybody like hears the horn, and instead of going to hug their teammate, they just put their hands and stick up in the air to celebrate. Yeah, because that's yes. the other go-to is just put everything up in yeah. the air as soon as you hear the horn going. And off. four guys want to be credited for us because they skate by the bench and high five people, <laughs> like a whole line of guys. That, that was my goal. I got that one. Everybody gets I, to celebrate. Ed, calm down. I mean, don't be ruining like, celebrations. When, like when something happens with a net in a basketball, they get the ladder out and fix it. These people went through three periods blowing horns every minute. Well, like, I don't know if who's they, in I don't charge. Know if they made it through three. I hope they went through three. <laughs> But you are oh, right. Yeah. Like, like you'll see basketball games, and the sure. players will be like, "Yeah, that that's not right. Every yeah. shot I'm shooting isn't going in, so that can't be right." And they come out and measure the crap, and it's yeah. like, "Yeah, we got a delay because the net was off center or something like that." I don't know. You play through the horn because you can just deal with it, I guess. I mean, are I would guys, I would start doing ahead. the fake out. Like you, you come up and then you like, you like perfect, perfect, ah, purposely whiff on the puck. And then, like, raise your stick like you scored. And then you have your teammates sort of, like, try to sneak it in behind. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the goalie lets like, up because he thought it went in. So he just stands up and the next guy just puts it in. You have to time oh. it really perfectly. Like, all right, three, two, one. Okay, the horn's about to go off. Go, go, go. Here, here's a check. better question. Can they not control the volume of this thing? <laughs> uh, just turn off the volume. That actually, That's a good point. Yeah, then the red light would just go off. Right, but that's yeah, but like the horn's yeah. going off. Like, can't you can't you just turn it down, like to where it's <laughs> maybe it's got to play a little what? bit. But can't, can't you just turn it down? You can mute it like I do myself. Right, exactly. The there's got to yeah, there's got to be a way to just okay. The horn's going to keep going off, but we'll turn it down to where it's either muted or very yeah. quiet, and nobody can hear it or bar- they can I, barely hear it. One of the two. I don't know. I feel like there's a better solution than just. Hey, we're going to play every two and it's going to go it, off. Guys. Yeah. 
There's got to be a better solution. There's, than that. there's some arena engineer who woke up that like night and looked at his cell phone and it was 87 missed calls and like 200 text messages. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, Jimmy, get we down can't, there. We can't figure out the horn. <laughs> and he, uh, he probably showed up and flipped a switch. Yeah. <laughs> it's this one right here. Uh, to uh, T minus, and I'm going with Jared on this. T minus three minutes. Three minutes before the Silver Knights tickets go on sale. How long will it be before they're sold out? And I only learned that because there were 76 tweets about it. So um, I believe the tickets will go on sale. I trust Twitter in three minutes for your Silver Knights. Uh, they get to see Robin Leonard play. I was going to say, you might go see Robin Leonard. Yeah. Yeah. Robin, yeah. you won't get to see Logan Thompson. You might see Oscar <laughs> Dance play. Oscar, You'll see Robin, Robin, Logan Thompson in St. Louis here on the weekend. Can Robin Leonard beat out Oscar Dance to play in the Henderson uh-huh. Silver Knights games? Man, okay, wait a minute. Did they, s- did they send Oscar Dance down to just be a backup again? Did he get sent down to back up Leonard no. for a couple of games? That's my question to you. If I'm Leonard, I don't play. What if you play and you give up six to Bakersfield? <laughs> They'll never want you back. That Logan Thompson guy will be the backup the rest of the year. Oh, blame it on the defenseman. <laughs> It was yes. the defenseman's fault. Did you see those turnovers? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Poor Oscar Dansk. He's a backup again. 